you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. It's such a pleasure for my wife and I to be back with you today, to be able for me to have this pleasure of being able to share with you from God's Word on a Mission Sunday, and and to cap off what has been a very positive and encouraging week, because I'm not sure if you were aware, this was Fellowship National Convention this last week. We celebrated 70 years across our nation as we have been together, starting first in Ontario and Quebec, and then gradually the fellowship invited other independent Baptist groups, of which we were one when I was in British Columbia. I was part of that group. And back in, I think, about 1968, I think we formally joined um, the fellowship. And we're about 500 churches across Canada now. And at the, this most recent gathering, there were at least 500 in an evening, maybe 600 people that gathered together and worship God in song and listen to various speakers, one of whom was um, Dr. Ed Stetzer, who is now going to be, uh, I believe, the president of Biola. He's left what he's been doing, if you're familiar with that name, as an author. He's been prodigious in producing tremendous, um, tremendous tools for the church in terms of what's happening in trends, where our churches, where have they been, where are they heading, all of that kind of thing in North America. But 70 years is a long time to serve together, and just like you, we were remembering, except for Christ, we would be able to do nothing. So thanks for leading us, Keith. That was excellent. This morning, the passage of Scripture that was read is where we're going to spend some time thinking, and without apology, I've titled my message using the Canadian um, blood drive slogan, It's In You to Give. Now, that is not only true relative to finances. You have something from which you can give substantially in terms of resource. But I want to dig underneath that and unpack it. It's in you to give because of who you are in Christ and what you are a part of as a family of believers. And 3 John is a personal letter that John is writing to a friend. His name is Gaius. Um, and he, he chooses to say some things to Gaius because of his context. If you read the entire letter, you'd realize that there's some, there, there's some disagreement between individuals. One who wants to be a key leader and is saying, basically, you shouldn't support anybody but who is with us. And wanting actually to gain stature by leading in that direction. And John counters him and says, Gaius, let, let me remind you who you are what God has done for you, and what your opportunity is. And we want to have a look at that today. So let me just lead you one more time in prayer as we crack third John and, and I share more with you. Father, I'm praying that the words of my mouth and that the meditation of all our hearts together as a family of believers will not only glorify you, but that we will consider yet again the opportunities that are right in front of us and not shrink back from an opportunity and also a responsibility to serve in ways that glorify you and enable us to partner with you in your work of mission around the world. 
Thank you that that mission included us. Thank you that it's not our mission, it's your mission, and we're simply joining you. I pray that you would nurture our hearts again through your word. May your spirit be our teacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Of all the things that you can do with your money, my question is, why should you support missions and missionaries? Of all the things that you could choose to do, and we know in North America, many things that we can choose to do, many wonderful things. We want to find housing. We want to have transport. We want to raise our children. We want to have some vacation, given all the work that we do, so that we can enjoy the life and the resource that God has given us. All of those are good pursuits. We should come apart and rest a while. Jesus said that to the disciples. Even though at the end of that very time he said he couldn't stop, the crowds came and and he served them. Sometimes there are opportunities that will sideline or conditions that will take you off the task you want to do and you have to delay those things. We all know about that. We all live in that constant strain. And you'll spend time and energy and often your money to receive education and training to be even more effective at the work that you're engaged with. That's a good thing too. But why take any of that which you have accrued, that which you have earned that belongs to you and give it away to missions and to missionaries? I want to answer that question. Why take any of that and give it away? Is what, what does it matter to you? And more importantly, why should it matter to you? That Not that the mission of God has a church, but the, that God has a mission and the church is simply an expression of it and joins him on mission. It's not that the church has a mission, God has a mission. And the church is a result of that mission, truly. He sent his son. He takes the initiative. So why must I, as a follower of Jesus, consider giving away that which he has empowered me to earn for a mission that's far away and for people I might never meet? I want to answer all of those questions because this morning we're going to explore a number of reasons that John the Apostle who wrote the Gospel of John, and you've been in that for over a year, I've had a pleasure of teaching you from it, but he's writing this personal letter to Gaius and he's answering that very question for us, for him and then for us. So why support missions and missionaries? As we dip into this, we'll see that John has a passion for mission and ministry. And he actually writes the book of Revelation at the end of the scripture and ends up exiled because he believes in the mission of God and he won't be silenced. Now, if my reckoning is right, when he's in Patmos, he's 90. I don't know about you, but when I'm 90, I hope I'm a threat to someone. <laughs> you know what I mean by that is he's not done. He's an old man. And imagine Rome feeling threatened by a 90-year-old Christian. Why? Well, because he not only believes in his message, he continues to teach and to train and to influence and to demonstrate that serving Jesus matters. And he threatened an ent the entire Roman Empire with his consistency and his passion for honoring Jesus for who we know him to be. Lord, King of the universe, 
God Almighty in human form. And that threatened the nation. Why? Because they wanted to be kings and gods themselves. And John kept teaching the truth. So in, in, in the sentence in verse 5, there's something that will immediately catch our attention as the first reason to support missions. And you have it ahead of you. Beloved, this is a faithful thing that you do in all of your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are. In other words, Gaius is already doing some great hospitality. And when people who are going on mission happen to travel through, we don't know where this is, that's not identified, but it obviously is on a pathway to opportunities that people are seeking to advance the gospel of Jesus in different places. And when they come through wherever John is at this moment, um, he, or Gaius is at this moment, Gaius is making room for them. He's probably giving them a bed and a meal and having them come in and tell their story and what it is that God has done in their life and where it is God is taking them, that kind of thing. It's, it's wonderful when you have missionaries in your home and you can really dig deep into their life and really hear their story and understand their passion personally. So when as a Christian, a committed follower of Jesus, and we're doing what he asked, then you're being faithful to the truth he's given you, right? You're being obedient. You're, you're being a follower. You're seriously considering what it is that he said you should do. And if he is Lord and we call him that, then we should do what he says. Luke 6.46 says, why do you call me Lord and not do what I tell you? In other words, if we're going to call him divine master, which can be part of our prayer life, then that master has the right to say, oh, Dave, you do that. And we want to say, well, just a minute, I'd rather have a consultant than a master. Do I have anything to say about this? And we often learn within life, no, we don't. We need to bloom where we're planted. We need to go where God takes us. Has God said to us then specifically, take your money and give it to missions? Well, if you look for a verse that says that, you're not going to find it. But you are going to find all kinds of other ways that it is written and is part of our life. Let me give you a few. It's not a specific command to missions, but here's a general principle that we're to live by. Practice generosity. Right? He says this, give as it was given to you, right? Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Packed is the principle. It's going to be packed. As you give, God will continue to lead, supply, and bless you. Now, that doesn't mean if you give, you get. That would be a disservice to this text. And there are many who want to say, you see, this is the key to getting what you want. You need to start giving. Now, they're right about giving, but they're wrong about getting. Do you think God doesn't know a mixed motive when he sees it? Of course he does. He says, give as you've received. Bless others without that mixed motivation of it being a means to your own end. Actually, James, the brother of Jesus who writes that letter, says much the same thing. He says, when you, first of all, you're not praying, he says in, John, in James chapter 4. You're not praying. Secondly, when you do pray, you're only praying so that you get what you want. In other words, to spend it on your own lusts. And he's saying, do you think God doesn't know that? 
need to humble yourself, change your attitude, and change how it is you come to the Lord. Coming back to what Jesus said, he says, be generous. So that's a principle to live by in all aspects of life. We have received and whatever it is we have, we can give, we can share. That, that's absolutely true. But he also says as a guiding principle, be a disciple maker. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. Now, how was it that God sent Jesus? Well, I want to tell you, Jesus was all in. It wasn't a part of his life, it was the entire purpose of his life, was to bring us salvation. And we see that he willingly laid down his life for us. So when he says, I'm sending you as the Father has sent me, what does that mean? On mission, to be a light to the world, to be an influence to the nations, to take the gospel we've received and to give it away, to make disciples everywhere we go. Now, this is an obedient church. How do I know that? Because I know that you're not a single culture church. You're, uh, principally, you were a group of Sri Lankans. That was the burden that Pastor Ronald received from God, that he wanted to reach this group of people. But now you look around and you see, there are people from all over the world here, right? That's the way it should be. We should all be multi-ethnic, not because we have to be, but because we are gossiping the gospel wherever we are, and we're finding people responding, and we're welcoming them into the family, and we go, my God loves an interesting group of people, doesn't he? Right, he does. Uh, he didn't come just for his own people. He came to his own people, but he came for what? The world, Right? So be generous, make disciples in the world. You begin to see as those two things fit together, uh, we are going to serve Jesus by using what we have to share with others that are doing the same thing. And a demonstration of our commitment to Jesus is our commitment to be disciple makers and to support those who are doing that work and to join with them in fellowship and friendship and partnership. And it is these principles that we see clearly taught through the New Testament. For an example, Paul is taking up support for relief that Jerusalem is suffering. And Jerusalem was the focus. It was the place it all started. It was where the first church was born. And now it's under terrible persecution and there's a famine going on. And so Paul says, well, I'm not there. I'm in Antioch, but I'm going to take up an offering from the other churches to support the needs of our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. And he's going to, to do that, and as he's doing that and devising all this, he shares that burden when he's in Macedonia, northern Greece, with a group of people who are both remote in terms of the cultural outpost and also poor. He shares what he's doing, and they come back to him. Here's what the text says. We want you to know, brothers, all about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. He's writing to the Corinthian church to encourage them Sometimes I think maybe to shame them. That's not really true. He's not trying to shame them. He's trying to point out to them that you who have much shouldn't do less than those who have little. Uh, you should bear an appropriate portion, and we all need to meet this need. And so in a severe test of affliction, persecution, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty, do you hear all those things together? They're under the, they're under the gun, so to speak. And yet that didn't stop them from saying to Paul, we need to contribute. He was thinking, God, you don't have anything left to give. But they worked between themselves to contribute and said, Paul, please add this to what we're taking to Jerusalem. He was delighted. 
Because I can testify that not only according to their means, in other words, there's no expectation you give what you don't have. There's no expectation. There's no commandment. There's no push that you do that. But according to your means, you give. But what did they do? For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, they said, you know what, we can fast. And we can take what we don't use and we can give that. Wow. I'm incredibly impressed when people give sacrificially like that. So was Jesus. You know the story of the widow. She went to the temple. She put in her might out of her poverty. She wanted God's name to be honored. She wouldn't be left out. And then Paul adds this teaching that that which we treasure and rightly so, but it's not a verse that's simply to give us a reason to worship and honor Jesus as our Lord. It's a verse that teaches us to be generous. And this is what he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was, what, rich, yet for your sakes, what, he emptied himself, became poor, that you through, what, his poverty and sacrifice might be made rich. Now that's all in, isn't it? He was saying to us, I don't need to survive, you do. And if I am not willing to lay down my life, you have no hope. And so I have come to lay down my life so that you might have life eternal and be part of my forever family. It's my Father's will. It's my will. And he laid down his life. We could never have dreamed, expected, or even asked God that. But he did so. So if you want to ask, well, what example is there that's given to me that I should take what it is that I have and I should give it? The, the clearest one is just look at Jesus. He was not teaching us to do something. He was demonstrating the teaching through his own self-sacrifice, his generosity, his willing heart, his joyful commitment. Right? who for the joy before him endured the cross, despised the shame. You understand why I'm laying this on? Because it's all part and parcel of what it means to be faithful in taking what we know and using it for God's glory. Do you see the commendation that is given to Gaius as it is also to us to be faithful in helping those who serve Christ? But when you're thinking about faithful, it's not just a lived out commitment. It's a faithfulness to the truth that has changed his life. In other words, when he's being faithful for what he's doing, it's not just the regularity and routine of it. It is a recognition that I am doing it for these as Jesus did it for me. The faithfulness is to Christ. We demonstrate our faithfulness to Jesus when we support missions and missionaries. And as some of you have gone beyond giving your money alone and you actually join teams and you're willing to serve in places far away, you're willing to, to do what you can. And look, I'm not saying that what we do in our country doesn't count. I don't mean that. I mean you're willing to serve, show up, join the team, do what is asked, both here and abroad, and all of you participate as a church. And you keep adding to it. How do I know that? Well, Pastor Ron keeps telling me what you're adding to it. 
You're now having a, a dinner in the community and inviting people around. Why? So that you can be generous to them and let them know you're doing this because God loves them, us, and is willing to love them through us. It's tremendous. And Bridge North is going to be added and the Pregnancy Center is now currently being added. So we demonstrate faithfulness to Jesus when we're willing to take our resources and faithfully serve those around us both on mission and in our community. We're generous. And further embedded in this sentence is the reason that, that we give shows the sacrifice of love. We, we don't give because we're required to give as if when I give, God, do you like me now? Or if I give and now, can I get? No, that's not the issue. We are giving out of gratitude for what we've received, but not because we're trying to increase our earning potential with God. Right? That can get so twisted and mixed up. But he has given you everything in Christ. And in the future glory that we can only dream about, not really under, fully understand, we know that he is going to say, these are my people and see what it is my blood has bought. He will show us that kindness from now forever. Right? We never have to be afraid that he'll cancel the adoption certificate or he'll change his mind on grace and salvation. But embedded in this is we give not because we're required to give, but we give because we have the great opportunity of, an, of partnering with Jesus that the world will know the grace that's changed us. That's a great thing that we see often when I've been in Sri Lanka with the team. And people will say, why are you doing this? And the easiest answer is because God has loved us. And we are joining him in loving you. It's so powerful. It makes such a difference in the lives of people in the moment. And we are praying that they'll understand and open their heart to receive the source of all of that. That's Jesus. We love God and we love his people as we give to missions. I also want to say that in verse 6, there's yet another reason. And that is that as Gaius has done this for strangers, some of those that might not even be remembered by Gaius are going on and are in churches that John has contact with, connection with, maybe even presence in at times, and they're saying, wow, this is what Gaius did for us. And they are not just honoring Gaius, they're saying, God has gifted people with hospitality and love for his people and we are the recipients and we're so grateful. You see, this, this means that the news has come back to John and guys was a great help to these individuals and they're saying so. And we earn both a reputation for our generosity from those we help and from the head of the church, the Lord Jesus, that will say, well done. Good job, Right? for which we want his honor. And he'll say, I'm honored by what you've done. We've learned that we're to be faithful to the gospel and the call of Jesus and give. We've learned that we earn a reputation for our love and action as we give to missions and missionaries. And we've learned that we align ourselves with God's mission and we give lovingly and generos generously, not only to, to the work that is being done, but to those who are going to get the work done. 
We want to partner with them. And there's more. The last part of verse 6. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Now think about this. If you're sending someone off to a field in the same way that is worthy of God, what it's really saying is, why don't you honor those who are going forward in the same way you would honor Jesus if he was the one that was going and you were helping him? Suddenly that changes the whole perspective, doesn't it? Now, why would we even think that a person who is going should be honored the same way that we would honor Jesus? And the answer is, coming in those next verses, because there's no money in it for them. They're not going along and saying to their community around them, I'm going off to do this great work, would you please join me, and asking the Gentiles to support the work of the gospel. When they use the term Gentile here, they're not meaning it in an ethnic term. They're meaning it in a faith term. Why would we ask people outside the church to fund the work that's going on from the church? They don't know what we're doing. And if they do understand what we're doing, they go, are you kidding? You're just being religious. No, we're not. This isn't about religion. This is about Jesus. You know the big difference. But the issue is they don't understand that. And if we try and explain it, they just get a confused look on their face. So what John is, what John is saying to guys is, look, they're going out for the sake of the name. Right? Not their name. They're not coming back so you can say, oh, wow, this is a missionary. You're so great. Because when you say that to a missionary, they're going, are you kidding? I'm just like you. Well, what's the difference? I was willing to go. I had an opportunity. There was a door. It all came together. I felt this is what I should do, and I've done it. I'm just like you. And then they will say, and thank you so much. You made it possible. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for giving to me. Thank you for giving to the project we've done. It's changed the landscape. Right? You will do well to send them on their way. John is telling Gaius, and we're learning this next principle from the gospel. Remember when there was a king that came, or actually it's Jesus in the whole parable, it's very clear to see, and he says to a group of people, well, you really served me. He said, Lord, we, we never saw you anywhere. He said, well, when you were in, fed the prisoner, when you visited the sick, inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of one of these, Right? When did we see you sick? When did we see you in prison? When did we visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Now, we don't often think that way. And maybe it's good we don't, because we might get a fat head over it. And be looking over our shoulder, You know, God, you like this? Because look, all the stuff I'm doing here is pretty good, Right? And you might say, well, you've got a few more things you need to tidy up here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sometimes we just get ahead of ourselves in the whole way we think about ourselves. So he's not giving it that, but he is saying, understand within this family, here's the principle. As you join me in mission, as you do it in my name, as you serve, as you see me serve, you're doing that for me. Now, that's a very good thing to fall back on when what we're offering is being rejected. 
when we're out there serving the, the Lord in a position and it's a pretty tough time, we say, Lord, you know, this is for you. i got to remember it's for you, unto you. You can help us in a dark night. So he, he's giving us this insight as I give to them. It's not just to them. They're benefit, benefiting and that pleases God. But I'm giving to Christ as it were through them. I'm honoring his name. I'm extending his kingdom. He's honored as I honor them in their work. For they've gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing for the Gentiles. And I've already mentioned that, but there's the verse up. It's written again. And friends... You just need to remember, there's no money in missions. If there is money, it's because they're doing it the wrong way. Really, I mean that. There's no money in missions. Because you're working with first generation, usually who doesn't have anything. And that's why Paul would say, you know, when I was with you, I wasn't a burden to anybody. I supported myself because I never wanted you to say, I was only doing it to earn my way, and therefore the gospel is just another thing I'm selling. No, I, I didn't want to be a burden. So he didn't do it. He didn't ask. He didn't receive. He simply gave. Because that's what he knew Jesus had done. But when John writes that they go out for the name, he means not their name. It's the name of Christ. It's the gospel. It's the focus always on the head of the church. And we have to remember this, that the whole goal of extending the gospel requires that we continue to invest before we receive. You know that's why farming is all about faith. And that's why when the Saskatchewan farmer was interviewed, he happened to have won the lottery. Never expected to, but you know, if you never put your name in, of course you never win. But he won a million dollars. And so the reporter went to him and said, what are you going to do with the money? He said, I'm going to farm till it's gone. You know what I mean? You can't guarantee the crop. You can't control the weather. It's always by faith. You put the seed in the ground. You trust that it will rain, that the soil will be good, and the crop will be amazing. The gospel is just like that. Do you and I have any idea who is going to respond when the seed is planted? The answer is no. Because Jesus has to be at work. Unless he draws people, nothing can be done and accomplished, correct? So you're joining him and you're praying, God, I know your seed is powerful. I don't understand the soil. I don't understand the rain. And that's why Paul could say, one plants, another waters, and someone else harvests. All is to the glory of God in partnership. We all have to be engaged. We all have to be joining. So the principle of all of this that he's suggesting is that we support missions and missionaries because we want Jesus to be known. We want him to be loved. We want his name and gospel to be served and extended and glorified. And when it happens, we need to say, Hallelujah. That's what it's all about. We support missions for this purpose. And friends, we have something that we can give. And so you know where this challenge is going to lead. Are you? It's in you to give. Both because he's given you resource. Secondly, because he's given you a changed heart. And holding on is not nearly as happy, joyful generator 
as giving and partnering. I might give you security until everything goes upside down, right? And then you realize your security is in the wrong place. But he goes on and he says, look at verse 8 as he brings it to a conclusion and I need to end you know, land this plane as well in terms of, of message and ministry. But verse 8 is so powerful. Therefore, we ought to support such people so that we may prove to be fellow workers with the truth. Not fellow workers with them, right? Fellow workers with what? The truth we all agree on. In other words, the individual is incidental to the plan of God. Not unimportant, but the focus is who he is, what he wants, how he's constructed this to work. And so John, John summarizes his case for giving money to missions and missionaries with this statement. We have learned that we are faithful to the gospel and to the call of Jesus as we give. We've learned the reputation for our love and action as we give to missions grows. We've learned that we align ourselves with God's mission as we give lovingly to those who go and love those to whom they go through those things that we empower them to use. We have learned that uh, we give to missions and missionary as a way of honoring God, and when we give to them, we actually give to him. We give to missions and missionaries because we send them as if we were sending Jesus himself. We're advancing the gospel. He's worthy of that, and we're putting that resource behind them simply so more in our generation would have an opportunity to change their eternal destiny and join us in heaven and sing a song to the Lamb that says, you called your people, they gave, and I'm here. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Thank you for letting them send more. Right? That's the idea of honoring the Lamb. We become partners with them so that they are not complete without us. And when we stand before our Father in heaven and these missionaries give an account of all they did, we will hear our names yelled out as their partners and hear Jesus say, well done, my people. Well done. Right? Because they can't do it alone. They need us. We need to be part of it. So why give to missions? Friends, I want to tell you any one of those reasons is sufficient. But when you have all of them landing on your thoughts and heart, you go, how can I not give? How can I not be involved? This so pleases God. And these are not my words. If you want to fight with me, don't come and say I disagree with Dave. Just disagree with John the Apostle, would you? These are his words. And we are to receive them with gratitude from the Spirit. So now let me be very specific. It's in you to give. So what will you choose? I have some ideas for you. Did you know that you can sponsor a child and make a difference in them now? And because of the work that is being done through this congregation in Sri Lanka, it's possible to change the forever future of that child. You are giving them something that can't be taken away called education, but you're also giving them an opportunity to hear the message of the gospel and respond. And maybe they'll respond when they're five in the Montessori preschool. 
And maybe they'll respond when they're 50 and it all comes home through other incidents. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we want such quick results, we fail to be as patient as God has been patient with us. You don't know when it's going to bear fruit. You just keep praying it will bear fruit. It won't fall idle to the ground, right? It's his work. It's his field. It's his word. And we're contributors. But if you haven't decided to sponsor a child, I'd really like you to consider doing that. Because it's an all-in kind of opportunity. And it would allow the church in ministry and mission in Sri Lanka to expand to places of great need that the resources are simply not here to do. It's simply a lack, as I understand it, of the resource needed to start and continue. But if you go up into the tea plantation and you see the desperation of poverty there and the lack of people to change their future, let me tell you, it changes them radically. Government isn't doing it. The religious entities of the country aren't doing it. But Seekers Christian Fellowship is starting to do it. Right? It's great. It's good. It hits all the criteria. It's accountable and full of integrity. Every penny goes where it's supposed to go. It's all open book. It's all clear. And this church is underwriting so many excellent projects, both here within your community and in Sri Lanka. And I just want to say, please don't miss out. Please seize the opportunity. Please partner for the glory of Jesus. Please enter the harvest. If you cannot personally send someone who wants to go on the way. So that God would be glorified by us all. I'm not saying to this because I think you're bad. But I am preaching for an outcome. I am trying to trouble you just enough to help you be active. But not so much that I would risk offending you. And listen, say it again. According to your means. I'm not trying to tell you to give what you don't have. But make sure you give something from what you have. To advance the gospel. Father, thank you. That your word was written so powerfully from one man to his very good friend. Whom he kept calling my beloved friend. My one friend. May we, as your friends, receive that message by your spirit and receive the truth of your word and understand how you form the family to not only care for itself, but to have an eye on its community and beyond it on the world. Your church is, without question, yours. Help us, Lord, to rise up and do our part for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.